Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I do not understand this football name in America. How how many of kicks is there in the football game? Six kicks? I'm going to say it once and hopefully I'm wrong, but it's a disaster waiting to happen. I love all of those things with the piggy skin and the men running around. So much screams and then a toss and then everyone is in a large, large hill. A star is born in the NFL. I like the moxie, but I, more importantly, I like the poise and the noise. Oh, what are you doing? You gotta be paping me! It's Jonathan Elway, he was so sassy and cool and hey guys, I'm a cowboy, bang bang, sling sling, toss toss, I'm going to lose all the time and then I win and then he leaves as he wins. You cannot beat this. From Munich, Germany, the Broncos and Bratwurst podcast with Kevin Gillikin. Yes, I'm Kevin Gillikin, born and raised in Denver, Colorado, lifelong Broncos fan. I recently moved to Munich, Germany, but as they say, distance makes the heart grow fonder, and so I still love them and love talking about them, even though it's from across the pond. What's up, my Broncos fans? Oh, what a joy it is to be alive. What a weekend in Denver, both for the Denver Broncos, Denver Broncos fans, and for the Avs, for the Nuggets, for the Rockies. It is glorious. It is a an unbelievable time to be alive and be a Denver Broncos and Denver sports team fan. Oh, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Beautiful. The, the only downside for me is that when my teams are doing well and they're drafting and stuff, I've been up really late or really early however you want to uh depending on how you want to look at it um i've had some 4 a.m mornings some 2 a.m mornings but i can tell you they were all worth it 
except for the one time that the Nuggets lost, but they're into the second round. The Broncos absolutely killed the draft. Killed it. I love it. I don't know what they could have done to make me love it more. Now, I think I could have loved it the same if they had maybe brought in Devin Bush and not Noah Fant. You know, there there are endless possibilities that I think I could have been happy with. But this this draft, it doesn't just, it's not just good because of the players they brought in, all of whom I love. I love it because the strategy, the the intelligence, the the almost the wisdom of the picks. Elway was so cool. He was so cool. I, I truly believe Elway was manipulating people. This dude was playing chess, and I can tell you at least a few teams were playing checkers. Unbelievably well done by John Elway. I didn't stay up for the second round and third round. I watched the first round. Um, again, that started at, I think the whole first round of the draft started at 2 a.m. for me here in Germany. Um, as those of you who watched, obviously the first few picks went as everyone kind of expected. When it came to 10, when it came to 10, I think no one really knew what to expect because I, I think at that point, Devin Bush was still available. And the national media had really been saying that Devin Bush was kind of the guy. It, it was really split 50-50. The national media was saying either Drew Locke or Devin Bush. And honestly, it goes to show pretty well how little the the national media knows because it came out that Vic Fangio actually didn't really much like Devin Bush. I I don't think he disliked him, but he actually did not like the comparisons of him to Roquan Smith, who Fangio, of course, uh, coached in in Chicago and is an unbelievable middle linebacker. he thinks that Devin Bush was smaller, maybe not you know as powerful, etc. You know he's quick, he's fast, but that that doesn't make all the difference. And so that was kind of a misconception. The biggest misconception, of course, as I've banged the table for months, was that Drew Lock would go at ten. Drew Lock was vastly over overvalued by by the national media, and obviously not by the NFL. And and the, again. I've spoken on it before, and I don't want to be too negative. This is a positive podcast. But the one thing I want to complain a little bit about was the national media and even some of the Denver media always going on about this Elway has to pick a guy with a big arm, and that's the only thing possible he's going to do at 10. That was lazy, lazy evaluation. It was lazy. I'm sorry that there's no other description for it. People just, they saw the Broncos at 10. They didn't want to do the work for it. They said, oh, it's Elway. It's a big quarterback, period, end of story. And that, that was lazy. That, that was badly done, in my opinion, by a lot of guys. But anyway, when it came to number 10 and they traded back, it didn't shock us. I think Skipper Dude and I both had the idea that if if certain guys weren't there at 10, Elway would probably trade back. And the one thing we didn't know was if Devin Bush was one of those guys they, they wanted at 10. It does not shock me that they did that he was not one of the guys. Now they did say that they were ready to pick someone at 10 before Pittsburgh finally settled on trading back. And eventually, I mean the trade back eventually got them Drew Locke. So obviously I in, in I think everyone's opinion it was a good trade. And they got the tight end of their choice. Noah Fant, I mean, the guy they wanted, a guy they brought in for for interviews and et cetera. And 
again, it was it, it as soon as they moved back, of course, you know, for me and for many, it's it's a little disappointing. So I think I even tweeted a few things like, yeah, okay, you know, I don't love what they got back. It was a decent haul, but I'm not, I don't love the, the move, but it, it wasn't terrible. But of course, that always depends when you trade back in the draft, who do you get? Who do you pick up when you trade back? And the fact that they, they, they got these extra pieces and then eventually got Drew Locke out of it, I mean, it's really, it's the best of both worlds. The, the first three, three picks were just unbelievable. They're unbelievable for me. I, I think they're some of the best picks I've seen. I mean, you go out and, and you have three guys that you had high in your draft board. Many teams had in the first round. Do you get all three of them in the first and second rounds? Awesome job. Noah Fant. I mean, we're going to, I have so much to talk about. It's just unbelievable, right? I mean, the, the amount of information coming out, the, the excitement for each of these players. I mean, Dalton Reisner, a hometown kid from Wiggins. You know what I know about Wiggins? Wiggins, Colorado. I, I used to live in a tiny, tiny, tiny town out east in Colorado called Byers. It's about, I don't know, 30 miles east of, of Denver. And it's tiny. Maybe, you know, I don't know, a couple, maybe a thousand, a couple thousand people. Wiggins apparently has under a thousand people. And I knew Wiggins because that was where, when I lived on a farm in Byers, we went to Wiggins to get our grain. We went there to get grain for our animals. And it really was as small as you would think. It's this tiny, tiny cow town. And this guy, this Dalton Reisner, comes from there, huge Broncos fan. I, I mean, and, and a good dude, a, a, a guy who's just a monster on the field and, and, a, and a teddy bear off of it said all the right things. Drew Locke also said all the right things. Noah Fant wanted it to be a Bronco. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I mean, I'm so excited about it still on Monday that I have to keep my I have to keep my my thoughts focused. I even had an outline for this show, but it's just like, "Oh, what do I talk about? It's all so good. It's all so good." Oh, I hope you all feel as good as I do about this. I love it. I love it. I don't just love the players. I love the the idea i love the the philosophy where this team is going absolutely love it ah anyway what, what are we talking about to, in today's show i mean i i'm hoping skipper dude is going to be able to come on uh he had a little bit of a problem with sending me his audio i'm going to try to get him on at the end of the show i will record my show first and then i'll try to get him on at the very end um if he sends me his stuff in time again again just some sort of um audio issues, but I, I really look forward to hearing how he uh, perceived the draft. I think he and I, again, have similar ideas of what we wanted the Broncos to do, of what the philosophy should be. Um, as I've said many times, I'm, I would love to hear your fan rants. We've had a couple from David up in Canada the last few weeks, um, some really good input from him. I liked what he said about going out and getting someone on the line, perhaps moving Garrett Bowles to tackle or to, to guard. And we could see that. We could see Reisner going to tackle and, and Bowles to guard. I don't know if that's going to happen, but it could. I mean, if Garrett Bowles, his main problem is with his footwork, maybe he is a better fit at guard and Dalton Reisner can come in immediately and be your your right tackle while Jawan James come in, comes in and, be, and it becomes your left tackle. Now, that's a lot of mixing around, and I don't know if that's anything you really want to do. You don't usually want to mess with people's positions, but... With Munchak, I really trust them either way. I, I trust them if they go and mix it up. I trust them if they go and put Reisner at right guard. You have Leary at left guard, uh, McGovern at center. I don't love McGovern at center. Heck, you could put Reisner at center. And how good of a pick is that? This is a guy who can play all three different 
offensive line positions, and he's a beast. He's a monster. He's a four-year guy from Kansas State, a guy who who just plays with this ugliness. He's a, he's a dog, man. He's a dog, and I love it. And he loves to be here. The guy said, I, I saw a quote from him that said he he would rather go. To, he wanted to go to the Broncos at forty run rather than go to a team in the first round that wasn't in Denver, not the Denver Broncos. That is awesome. It's awesome. We've got a guy who wants to be here. That is exactly what the Broncos needed to do. I love it. I mean, Elway did everything. Everything I said, I hoped that he was going to do. I hoped he was building on, and he did it. Now, I don't think that's that's no credit to me. Now, I mean, I could I could raise my hand in the air and say, yeah, hey, look, I was right. And I think I was right about a few things. The one thing I was mainly right about was Drew Locke not being a first-round talent. I was right about that. And, and a lot of people were very wrong. And I think... Again, a lot of people were wrong just because of laziness, and some people were wrong just because who knows? I mean, you, you, it's a hard thing to evaluate when teams are going to pick quarterbacks, and that's fine. I mean, that, that's no problem, of course. But that was something I got right. But the, the thing that I I got, I guess you could say, you know, quote unquote, right is the the where who the kind of guy is they wanted to draft, and I think the awesome thing for me is that John Elway and the Broncos have a seemingly the same idea as I do for the players that you want in a locker room. They went out last year and and they got guys like Philip Lindsay, Cortland Sutton, guys who are ballers, guys who are tough, guys who are leaders, guys who've had experience, years of experience in college. They're mature. They're leaders. They're good character people. And you know what happened? It worked. 2018 was a fantastic draft. And now you, you see it again, 2019. They went out and got out of their six draft picks, four of them were team captains and, and longtime team captains. These are good dudes. These are dudes who come in and set an atmosphere immediately in your locker room. Drew Locke is a guy who stands up there on the podium and you immediately like him. He says all the right things. And what I like about Drew Locke is that he doesn't just say the right things. He says them with it, it, he seems to be really honest about it, you know? He's got that smile. He's got that that charisma. And uh, some of these other guys do too. I mean, I, Kyler Murray, ha- I mean, he, he can say the right things, but come on, t- tell me Kyler Murray says the right things in the right way. Now, not everyone has the same personality, and that's okay. Kyler Murray could be a star. I'm not saying that was a bad pick. But I just love Drew Locke. I love the acceptance. I love how he took where he landed and he took it running. He wanted to be in Denver. He loved where he's going. He doesn't mind being a backup, but he's going to compete. The guy just, he's got it. And I love, I don't think he has a first round time. Well, he is in the perfect situation. It's perfect. I never wanted Drew Locke at number 10, because if you pick him at 10, then you pretty much are saying this guy has to be our future. He has to, and he has to start competing right now. And you know what? When you pick him at 42, there's no pressure. There's no pressure. This guy can, he can sit for three years and no one's going to blink. And that could happen. The guy can learn behind Joe Flacco, even if Joe Flacco is not going to teach him. But I mean, if, if Elway, and I believe this is true, Elway is saying, hey, Joe Flacco is the starter. And I think that's absolutely the case. And if Joe Flacco doesn't have that pressure on him, especially this year, then maybe he will be a better teammate than he was to Jackson in, in Baltimore because Jackson was an immediate threat. Locke is not an immediate threat. I think that Flacco and Locke can be a really good combo. I think they can really learn from each other. And for goodness sake, look at Scangarello. Well, look what he did with Nick Mullins in San Francisco. 
don't even get me started on what Scangarello did in, in San Francisco with their tight end. Can you imagine what they're going to do with Noah Fant? With Scangarello's offense and Joe Flacco passing to him? Oh, man, am I excited. Pumped. Seriously, I'm getting like I'm getting like goosebumps here. They went out and, and just hit every position. They went out and they didn't draft a cornerback. You know why? Because John Elway believes he can figure something out with Chris Harris. You know what's been going on with this whole Chris Harris thing? He's got a a a guy who's working with him, you know, his agent, who obviously has, you know, high aspirations and, and has kind of a big head, and Elway obviously was not willing to pander to him. I don't think Chris Harris Jr. has much of anything to do with it. I think Chris Harris Jr. gets into the trouble where he posts things on the internet where he shouldn't. But I, I guarantee you Chris Harris Jr. wants to be a Bronco. He's got his whole history here. His family's here. So, you know, yeah, he's not going to get $15 million a year. There's no way. You don't pay a guy 30 years old $15 million a year. You don't pay him as the highest cornerback in football. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, he deserves more, but not $15 million. That's coming from his agent. I truly believe Elway's going to sit down and talk with Chris Harris and figure it out. And it's again, it's just another thing added to this whole offseason that's been absolutely awesome. I didn't love the Joe Flacco thing at first, but when you see his contract, when you see that after a year, he can just be dumped for zero, you see that he is an upgrade, obviously, on Case Keenum. It's a good pick. The guy can run the offense immediately. That was the first start to, to this team building. And Elway has done a really good job. He, he's gone out and gotten locked and said, hey, look, you know, we're not rebuilding right now. This is Joe Flacco's team. But in our future, Drew Locke could be the face of the franchise. And I believe, I really believe Drew Locke could be. He could. He may not. He, he could be another Paxton Lynch. But you know what? He, he will never be a Paxton Lynch because he will not have the same pressure, the same Go out there and, and figure it out. Your first year, you have you know, you have no time. You have no you know no ability to learn. He won't have that, so he can never be a Paxton Lynch. He can never be the disappointment Paxton Lynch will be, and he would have been if he was picked at ten. So brilliant pick, brilliant draft. I can't wait for more segments to talk about it. I'm I'm, I'm just I, I'm sorry. I'm not very structured. I'm just excited about the whole thing. Um, just awesome. Just awesome. Uh, coming up next, um, we're going to talk, we're just going to, I'm just going to go off. I mean, you know, in the coming weeks, we're going to really go into detail about each of these guys. We're going to go into and talk about, you know, what these guys can bring, what the offense is going to look at doing, what the defense is going to do, who's going to probably play inside linebacker. But today I just want to, I just want to talk to you like, like fans. I want to talk to you like, Hey, we're sitting on a couch and just, you know, discussing what we feel about it. I mean, how excited we are about this. Love it. Oh, I love it. Okay, up next, more Broncos Draft Talk after this quick break. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You know, I feel like it's like Christmas and my birthday and everything wrapped together. Uh, what a brilliant week. I mean, the Nuggets get into the second round. The Avalanche are 1-1 one one in the second round, you know, at winning one on the road. The Broncos just destroyed the draft. John Elway looks like a genius. The, the the John Elway haters had to be silenced, at least mostly. They still found some reasons to to be angry. Dave Gettleman in, in New York saying that there were, he knew for sure, for a fact, there were two teams who were going to draft Daniel Jones in the first round. And I think there were rumors, at least, that, that the Broncos were one of them. And so some of the Broncos haters are the Elway haters. You know, or, oh, Elway, what an idiot. He's going to draft Daniel Jones. Really? Really? You really think you're really going to get angry at him for one, for something that he might have done, for something that he was rumored to have done by another general manager who's probably covering his butt for making one of the worst draft picks in the last 10 years? Get over it. Ah, oh, okay. No more, no more negativity. But you, you Elway haters, really, come on. Give the guy some credit. Even, even if he doesn't do everything right, the last two drafts, at least on paper, have been awesome. We have to see how this draft is going to turn out. And that's obviously always the reality. This draft looks great. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, Drew Locke maybe never plays a snap in the NFL. Maybe he's another Paxton Lynch. Maybe Drew, maybe Reisner is, is a nobody. I mean, we don't know. We don't know who translates into the NFL. Who knew that Philip Lindsay was going to go undrafted and then be a star in his first season as a rookie? You don't know. So we'll have to see. We have to wait and see what this is going to turn out to be. But on paper, it's great. And that's not just coming from me. That's not just coming from Broncos fans. That's coming from the national media. And it's not like the national media has a love affair with the Broncos, not, especially not when Peyton Manning's not the quarterback. Usually it's, it's, it's pretty hateful, and, and they generally liked it. I think they generally gave the Broncos an A or, or higher for their draft, and that's awesome. The offseason has been really, really good. They're, they're building a team, and you can see the character. You can see the, the plan. There is a plan with this team. And I don't think that was always the case. I think after after Manning left, you know, they they wanted to just keep running with the team and plug in a rookie quarterback. Now that's it, I see the plan, but it's rough because you never know how a rookie is going to play. Now, if you get a rookie on a cheap contract, that's a good way to build a team because, of course, like we've said, he's cheap and you can build around him, a la Seattle, L.A. Rams, etc. But you have to get the right quarterback, and that's really hard. Paxton Lynch wasn't the guy. So that was a plan. It didn't work. And then I think after Paxton Lynch didn't work, then it was kind of a panic because then it was like, oh, shoot, we have a lot of players, you know, whose contracts are ending and, you know, we don't really have a quarterback. So let's uh, get Case Keenum because he was the only guy available. Okay. Kirk Cousins was, but are you, are you glad? Aren't you glad that he didn't get Kirk Cousins? People gave John Elway a really hard time. And then Kirk Cousins went out and had one of the worst seasons, you know, of, of a guy with at least a guy getting paid that much. So I'm happy that he didn't get Kirk Cousins and pay $25 million or whatever. Yeah, sure. Case Keenum wasn't good either, but you know he did. We're, we don't have a ton of money spent on a quarterback. After this year, Flacco can be gone. Drew Locke can, can take over, and you're paying a quarterback practically nothing. That's awesome. Or you keep Drew, you keep Joe Flacco at $18 million a year or, or 19 whatever it is, and that's, that's going to be about average. So you're going to have a veteran guy who's been there, done that. He's getting paid league average for a quarterback. That's good. That's good GMing. And now you, you can, 
I mean, it, it, with Flacco, you still have a chunk of money at the quarterback, but it's not extreme. You have money to go and spend on other guys, other players, and they have. They've gone out and bolstered that offense. They, they have a plan on that offense. They, they brought in Scanning Garello, who runs, I mean, obviously he's going to have some impact from Kyle Shanahan. Now say what you want about Kyle Shanahan. Maybe he should have been the guy they hired in the first place, but that's a different story. I like having Scangarello and Vic Fangio. Scangarello is a guy that you hope will be here for several years. You hope that you will have the same offense for the next two or three years. Or 10. Jeez, that would be fantastic. You keep with the same Shanahan type. And then you don't always have to change schemes and your quarterbacks don't completely lose the idea of what they're doing. And that, I think, is also a part of the plan that John Elway has. Stick with these guys. Now, who knows? Scangarello could have a great season as an offensive coordinator, and he could, he could become a head coach. Now, I kind of hope that doesn't happen, but it could. So you need, obviously, guys under him who can learn the system. Maybe his quarterback coach, you know, whoever. But you stay with the same basic scheme so your guys can learn it and perfect it. This is what's happened in, in, in New England. It's happened in the, the teams that are really good, especially on offense, for years. They have a good quarterback, of course. But then they, they, they are regular. They have the same scheme. They don't have to learn new language every single season. That is hugely detrimental to players. And you see it in guys like Jameis Winston and even I think Matthew Stafford. These guys who have a lot of talent, but they're always having to learn a new scheme. And that is a major, major roadblock. The Broncos took a book out of the, the Denver Nuggets, to, took a page out of their playbook and said, hey, look, you know, we need to, to pick some coaches and just let them sink or swim. Have faith in them. Look at what Michael Malone's done in, in, with the Denver Nuggets. They're not a perfect team, but you know what? They're in the second round of the playoffs. Because they bought in on defense. Because one year ago, one year ago, okay, they, they brought him in four years ago, and their defense has always been bad. When was the last time the Nuggets had a good defense? And last year, it was still bad. It was still 30th in the, in the league, in the NBA, at covering the three-point line. You know what they are this year? They're first. They're first. They were first in the NBA. Because the players bought in. Because the players had the same system. They understood each year they could grasp the system better and better and better. And they could say, okay, now we understand. Now all we need to do is put our effort into it. That's the same thing in the NFL. These guys now, they will be able to, I hope, I, I truly hope Elway is, is trying to mold the team like this. We'll see. But you, you have to you know, just run with Vic Fangio. Hopefully run with Scangarello. Even if you have one or two bad years, eventually, if you have the same players in the same scheme, they are going to figure it out. And then you need to bring in guys who have high character. And you know what the Broncos have done? They've brought in guys with high character. Guys who care. Guys who want to be in Denver. Do you you ever think that Shane Ray wanted to play in Denver? Did he love the Denver Broncos? I don't know the guy personally, but it doesn't seem like it. Bradley Roby? Did he love football? Did he ever, you know, did he always 100% every play? No, he wasn't. Those are two high draft picks that Elway missed on. Elway's, his philosophy, his drafting philosophy has changed dramatically. Elway has changed. He has learned from his mistakes. What more can we ask of a GM? No GM is perfect. They all make mistakes. They all have busts. But you know what? When they learn and they say, okay, you know, this way of drafting isn't working. Let's try something else. I wrote, a, I wrote a, a blog article back before I joined MHR or started posting regularly on MHR, milehighreport.com, that is. I had a fan post 
that said it was titled Elway Loves Losers. Harsh. And this was last year, I think. I think this was before the draft last year. And it went through his high round draft picks in the last few years. I mean, maybe like 14, 2014 through to 2017 or 12 through 17, whatever. And there are a lot of these high draft picks who were guys who fell because of character issues. If they were, I don't know, you know, fell asleep while after drinking in their car or if they had weed in their backpack or if they, you know, beat someone up, whatever it was, there were always issues. And, and Elway saw, okay, they have pure talent and we're going to go with that because, and even though other teams didn't, we're going to trade up and get them. They, they went and they, they, they drafted guys like Paxton Lynch and other people and they, they barely met them. They didn't know them. They didn't understand who they were. They just said, okay, this guy's got a lot of talent. Let's, let's, he's going to do it. But you haven't, you don't know his character. And Elway has completely turned that around. Completely. He's gone out and said, okay, obviously we need talent. That's a no-brainer. Of course you need talent. People give me a hard time saying that we need character guys. Okay, yeah, you also need talented guys, but they need to have high character. They need to have motors. They need to be dogs in the best way possible. I mean that. And I think Elway has figured that out the last two seasons, and I love it. You're setting an, an attitude in that locker. Do you tell me? I mean, you, if you've watched these 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 press conferences and interviews with Drew Locke and, and Dalton Reisner, Noah Fant, what, do you, can you tell me that that locker room's not going to be better with them in it? What do you think? Look at these guys. They're they're leaders. They're they're, they're strong personalities. They seem like good dudes in their in their in their own um, areas. You know, in, in where where they're from. They treat people well. They're leaders. And they're talented. It's a win-win. The locker room just got better. And the talent on the field just got better. I, I am unbelievably hyped about Noah Fant. That's awesome. I get him at 20. He's a perfect fit in this offense. Perfect. Look, look, look what Scangarello did with George Kittle. George Kittle put up a 200-yard game against the Broncos, partly because the Broncos can't cover tight ends. That's a, a long history, which we all know very well, but because he's a really good player. That is fits in their offensive scheme. You know who else loves throwing to tight ends? Joe Flacco. I, I truly, I could see Noah Fant having a top five tight end year. Truly. Why not? The dude is, is, is freakishly athletic. He, he has, most of his combine numbers are better than Cortland Sutton. Better than a wide receiver. A very talented wide receiver. The dude is a freak. And he runs like, a, I think he runs under a 4.5 or 4.4. Four, I don't even remember, 4.4.5 four, or something like that. And he's a big dude. He's got soft hands. He is an able blocker. He's not a great blocker, but he's able. He's willing. He's another guy who shows toughness, but has just immense skill running up the middle of the field. This team just got dramatically better with him. I, I truly believe that because when you have a tight end who can split the seams, they're. I mean, look what happens with the Broncos. I mean, they couldn't guard George Kittle. You know, so you have to you 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 double cover the best receiver you you watch the guy out of the out of the flat and then the wide the tight end typically has one-on-one coverage especially if you're running up the seams with other wide receivers running outs or whatever their, their the scheme is on offense it opens up the entire field it's huge i mean i mean to have a a 
good or great tight end in this system is monstrously huge. The dude is going to be a beast. I mean, if he can stay healthy, I mean, this I, I truly think the sky is the limit. Even as a rookie, I think he could have a huge year. Huge. Pumped about it. Oh, this offense. I mean, just think, I mean, now we have a quarterback for one. He's not great. He's not great, okay? But he can at least see over his offensive line. He's hopefully not going to miss the, the little passes to the to the running back in the flat. Do you know why Philip Lindsay didn't have many, you know, receiving yards? It's because Case Keenum couldn't throw him the ball. Yeah, it's a hard throw. That 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 flat pass is one of the hardest throws in the NFL. Flacco is better at it than Case Keenum. Oh, geez, I think anybody's better at it than Case Keenum. Case Keenum's about Tim Tebow level at those those um flat routes. So that's immediately going to get better. The offensive line is immediately better. I mean, you lost Paradis, but was he going to be healthy? Who knows? Reisner makes it better. He makes it tougher. He he knows the, the, the zone blocking scheme. They got players who work in the system. They, they're fits. They're character guys. And they're uberly talented. It was almost a perfect draft, at least in the first three or four rounds. I don't think it could have gone much better. I really don't. Really, really well done by the Broncos staff. And we're going to talk about a little bit about what else went on in the draft and who we can compare the Broncos draft to and a little bit of AFC West news and what's going on and who is likely to be the favorite and the dog in the AFC West. That's after this quick music break. So I think a really good comparison for the Broncos draft is the Oakland Raiders. Now, that's not necessarily because of the amount of picks. It's not because of the the people they picked or drafted. It's it's more of the philosophy. Now, in the first round especially, the, the Oakland Raiders had three picks. And they went out and got uh, Cleland Farrell. They got it, so they got a defensive end, they got a running back, and they got a safety. And pretty much everyone was... Um, Raising their eyebrows, kind of like, uh, really? Cleveland Farrell at four? I mean, he was really predicted to go in the teens or 20s or who knows in the first round, but not at four. So that was a surprise pick. Now, Jacobs, the running back, was, was I think, a solid pick. He was predicted in the first round. And then they got uh, Safety Abrams, who, again, was a guy no one really saw going in the first round. And what happened, and this was you know publicly said by, I don't know, Mel Kuyper and others, that... Chucky, John Gruden, likes these dogs. You know, he's like he likes these tough dudes, these guys who who are gamers, these guys who are ballers. And each of these three guys is just a tough nosed, hard nosed football player. And that was the idea, that was the philosophy, and that's what they were going to get. And that's okay. I think the Broncos had a similar philosophy, but but also very different, very different because. What seemingly happened with the Raiders was was John Gruden had he had the say in the first round, and maybe even the second round. 
and he was like, these are my guys, and you're getting them. He told that to Mike Mayock, who is the, I think he's the GM. They're like co-GMs. I don't even know this, the real situation there. But to me, it seems very, very, very likely that John Gruden had the, had the call. And he got his guys. But the problem with what Gruden did was he overdrafted these guys. He, he, he didn't pick them at their likely their their level of where they should have been picked in the draft. He just got them because he liked them. He liked their personality. He liked their character. And that's good. I mean, I like drafting for character. So props to him for doing that. But he didn't get the value for their talent, seemingly. Again, this is on paper. We'll see. But on paper, he didn't get the right value. And that's the difference with John Elway. John Elway traded back. He got more talent. He got more picks. And he still got good players. He still got character guys with huge talent. There isn't a single one of the Broncos picks in the first three rounds, at least, where people are saying, hey, they may have, you know, they may have drafted this guy a little high. None of them. Reisner could have been a first rounder. Locke could have been a top 10. He was predicted to go 10 to the Broncos. So Alway got character, guys. He had the philosophy, but he also picked the best, best player available. That's what we've been saying. That's why I've, I've dreamed of this draft. I've said, hey, get the best player available for a position of need with a high character. And they did exactly that. Exactly. John Gruden got good dog players. But you know what? He, he didn't get the right value. And it's a funny thing with the Oakland Raiders that the first couple rounds had John Gruden written all over it. And you know what happened after about the third round? It's got Mike Mayock written all over it. At least if you look at the draft analysis, you know, by these, you know, quote unquote experts, they say the Oakland Raiders really, really killed their later round picks. They picked really, really good quality players in the in the back end of the draft. And to me, maybe I'm wrong. I think John Gruden had the decision. He had the call in the first few rounds and then Mike Mayock took over and you see his stamp on the later rounds. And that's an interesting dynamic. Interesting dynamic. I think the Raiders... I think they made just a, a monstrous mistake draft or trading um, Khalil Mack. They, they've pretty much got nothing for him. I don't get it. If you have a superstar player, even if he's not your guy, even if he takes some plays off, you can't pass up on really, really good edge rush talent. There aren't that many great edge rushers. There are some, but there aren't that many. It's hard to find them. It's hard to draft them. And I think that was a huge mistake by John Gruden. The other trades I think are okay. I think they, they hitched their wagon to Carr, which for me, I don't love, but he fits in John Gruden's offensive scheme. These little dink and dunks, you know, seam routes, et cetera, all these easy little passes. And you saw Carr go, what, 22 for 23 versus the Broncos last year in the first half or something. I mean, just unbelievable. He missed like one pass. So he works in the system. I don't think he's a great quarterback, but he's okay. I don't think they got that much better. They had a ton of draft picks. They had three first rounders, and I I don't think they're hugely improved. So, I mean, we'll see. But, I, I mean, I, I think Oakland made a mistake. I mean, they, they traded a, a superstar for guys who are, eh, maybe second-round picks. Not very well done, in my opinion. Otherwise, in the AFC West, the Chiefs had a, I think they had a, eh, an okay draft. No one really talks about it. I think they picked a wide receiver early on. Uh, a quick wide receiver, um, and that's an unfortunate thing that they're going to have to probably have a wide receiver replace Tyree Kill. Um, obviously, a a horrific situation, um, 
with Tyreek Hill and seemingly on audio having having beat his child and I mean just it's I mean we've talked about that a little bit on this podcast before I don't really want to get into it I want this to be a positive um, podcast but it's a horrible thing I mean the fact that they haven't just cut him already I think is is terrible um the guy is is a monster he's a monster I mean I mean hitting a woman is 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 monstrous I mean it's it's like I I can't even fathom it but hitting a, a child hitting a child that you're responsible for I, it's it's evil. It's it's pure evil. I mean, I mean, okay, maybe he hasn't been officially convicted of this, but seemingly there's really, really clear evidence that he did it and that he wanted his fiance and child to be afraid of him. It's sick. It's sick. It's evil. It's it's straight from the devil. And and it's unfortunate that the Chiefs have have hitched their wagon to to dudes that don't have good reputations. They're not good dudes. Their running back, Kareem Hunt, kicked a woman when she was on the ground. That's not a good dude. Tyreek Hill, on video, or on audio at least, threatening his fiance and kid. I don't even know if there's proof that he hit them, but that's not a good guy. It's, 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 it's so bad mojo. It's so ah, it's icky. I feel so bad for these people. These, this woman and this child that, that look up to this man or should. It's... Ah, oh, I mean, it's it's really awful. But I mean, back to football. The Chiefs are in in, in trouble. <laughs> I mean, they're in trouble. I don't know what they're doing. They go in. They they for one, Ty- Tyree Kill is not going to play for the Chiefs anymore. There's just no way they have to dump him eventually. So he's gone. Kareem Hunt's gone. They brought in Clark from from Seattle. You know what he is? He's also a guy who has domestic violence in his past. What are they doing? I mean, what, what's their idea of, hey, let's, it, it is kind of like the Elway drafts before times 10. Let's bring in all the crappiest guys that no one else wants on their team. Garbage, garbage. I mean, if there's a team in the NFL that I just will not, I I, can't, I, I already obviously don't like the Chiefs. You go out and, and, and bring in garbage human beings and let them stay on your team. It's, I'm, it's, it's inexcusable, inexcusable. They've got to get better as an organization. I mean, I don't want any team. I, I mean, I, of course, I hate the Kansas City Chiefs because they're our rivals. But I don't want, I don't want the issues to be with guys off the field. For goodness' sake, I want them to be terrible on the field because they're the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't want them or any team to have this problem. These guys who who have these issues should be gone from the league forever. Forever. Ah, anyway, Kansas City on the field, they, I think they're a mess. I mean, they got Patrick Mahomes, but who else do they have? I mean, I think their draft was, eh, it was okay. They, they, they don't have a defensive line. They don't have really any skill guys besides Kelsey. I, I mean, I, I think they, they also went backwards. I think Oakland kind of made a slight step forward, but not nearly as big as they should have with Mac. So if you look at Oakland as a whole, I think they made a big step backward because you lost a really great pass rusher. Thank you, by the way, Chucky. So Kansas City, no. I, I, I mean, yeah, great quarterback, but you can't win just with a great quarterback. Look at, look at Green Bay. Now, the next team... The team that I liked last year a lot, and I think they're going to be even better this year, is San Diego, or excuse me, LA. 
The LA Chargers, I think, are a really good team, and I think they got better. I think they made some nice draft picks. They didn't have a lot of picks, but they made some good ones. They picked players at positions of need. They got good quality. They've got Phillip Rivers still. I mean, I like what the Chargers are doing. I think they are the cream of the crop right now in the AFC West, and I don't think it's really that close. I mean, right now, if you're asking me, I've got it Chargers and then Kansas City and Denver just below Kansas City. Kansas City is above the Denver Broncos because they got the quarterback. But as for all-around talent, I think the Broncos are getting pretty close. I think they they might actually all-around have better talent. They've got the running game. They solidified the defensive backfield. They've got a great tight end now, I, I hope at least. They've got a veteran quarterback. I mean, I think I think the Broncos could potentially have a better record than Kansas City. That said, I think it's going to be a competitive division. I think they're going to have a tough time in the division. The Broncos have a brutal schedule. Brutal. Unbelievable. I mean, it's 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 something I will have to talk about that later in a later podcast, game by game, but it's it's tough, really tough. And I think my prediction before the draft was seven and nine. After the draft, I I think I I like them. Maybe even nine and seven. I think Noah Fant is huge. Dalton Reisner, huge. I think they're immediate contributors to that offense. Immediate. And I think that tight end, that really good tight end, is going to be it's going to be a gigantic step in the right direction for this offense. I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see Flacco and Fant and Sutton and Sanders and Lindsay in this Scangarello slash Shanahan offense. It's exciting. It's really exciting. And I'm excited for the future. There, I think there is a bright future. I think there are pieces now to build around. Now, who knows who's going to be here long-term? Chris Harris Jr.? I don't know. Von Miller? I don't know. I, I think you keep Von Miller for his whole career. I mean, he's a guy who, who's like Khalil Mack. Even when he's going to get older, I think you keep him. He, he's your, your franchise you know, guy, he's, he's the guy. I don't know if he's the face of the franchise. I don't think Von Miller wants to be the face of the franchise. That's a different, that's an interesting topic. It's another one, you know, for future podcasts, we have a long time before the NFL season. So we will have plenty of podcasts to talk about all of these things in detail. I'm just like brushing through everything today. So I guess I'll apologize for that. It's not a very, you know, as, as I said, it's not very organized today. Um, but we'll have in-depth topic, you know, discussions about all of this, but I, I think, one of the reasons I really like the Drew Locke pick, and there are two reasons. One, because it was a good value. Good value. I mean, I mean, you just can't complain with, with a guy at number 42 who people predicted to go at 10. He has a lot of talent. I mean, no question. He's got a ton of arm talent. That's the number one, good value. Number two, he could be the face of the franchise. The dude looks good. He looks good. He sounds good. He's got a good smile. He's got a good personable character. He seems to enjoy football. He seems to love football. He seems to like his teammates. His teammates seem to like him. No question in my mind, if Drew Locke becomes a good quarterback, he could be a face of the franchise. Even if he's not a great quarterback, he could be a face of the franchise. He could be, you know, you look at a guy like Andy Dalton. He's not a great quarterback. He's never been a great quarterback, but he was the face of that franchise. He still is. When you think of Cincinnati, you think of Andy Dalton. Now, he's not 
he, he's no Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers, but he's good enough. You know, he, he's, he's a guy who can be the face. And absolutely, Drew Locke can be that. Absolutely. I did not like him at 10. I love him at 42. What do you lose? Zilch. Zilch. It is all positive. All positive. Uh, I want to give a shout out before the end of the show to MileHighReport.com. They did such an unbelievable job covering the draft. They, I mean, they, they do a good job the entire year, but the draft is a special thing. And I think they do it better than anyone. Truly. I mean, I'm not part really of the Mile High staff. I, I mean, kind of. I'm really, really glad of, of the part I have. I have a, you know, once a week article that goes along with the podcast. You know, I, I, I'm more with Vox Media and the Vox Media podcast, obviously working with MileHighReport.com. And it's an unbelievable joy to be able to work with these men and women. And so I think I can kind of say, I can brag about them because it's not really me. I'm not, I'm not the one covering this. They, they did such a good job. I mean, the content on that website is just really fantastic. I and mean, the depth of all their coverage of the draft of the players before and after is, I don't think you beat it. You, you don't beat it in the Denver area for sure. I mean, just the, the absolute depth of each guy. I mean, the predictions, the, the grades, it's so good. I mean, go check it out. Really? I mean, I mean, it's, you got to go through each one because they each have these just nuggets of information, just tons of information. And it's well-written. It's, it's well-covered. It's, it's really, really well done. I, I'm really proud of these guys, these ladies. They all did such a good job. The, the live streams over at Twitch are going really well too, I think. I've watched a few of them this week. I'm really hoping to get up on Twitch sometime in the next few weeks. I've got to figure out some of the technical things with um, Tim Lynch. Um, but I will be going live eventually on Twitch. Uh, it'll be kind of an interesting difference of a show because you will be able to, to, um, comment. You'll be able to talk to me while I'm live. We can talk things through together. You can ask me questions when I'll try my best to answer. Um, I can have on guests. I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be really fun. Um, and so stay tuned for that. I'll, I'll announce it on Twitter. Um, if you don't already follow me on Twitter, I'm at Kevy Gillikin. That's K-E-V-V-Y-G-I-L-L-I-K-I-N. Um, you can get, you know, whatever information on there. I'll post, you know, when, when I publish an article, when I publish a Twitch, whatever. Um, and as always, of course, we'll continue with the Broncos and Bratwurst podcast all year long. That's never going to end. Um, and I'm excited for it. I'm so excited for this team. I, I was not... I was not high on this team before the draft. I, I felt okay about it. I felt okay about this team. I liked the 2018 draft. Joe Flacco was better than Case Keenum. But I wasn't sure what what Elway really had as his the idea, his ideal image of this team. I wasn't sure what it was. I, I really didn't know if he wanted to build around, you know. Flacco, if he wanted to build around a rookie, if he wanted to make it a running game, if you a running team, a, a a tough team, a character team, a just physically gifted freak team. If the Broncos had gone and drafted DK Metcalf, that would have given me an idea that Elway wants guys who are just freakish. And just, you know, don't really show up in games but have a ton of athletic ability. And maybe that would work, but he did show with two drafts in a row that they do have a plan. They do have a strategy 
and I couldn't like it more. As I've said, I, I, I know I keep repeating myself about that, but I'm so excited about it. It's, it's, it's really great. I like where they're going. I don't think they're going to be a great team in 2019. They still have pieces to fix, but the, the future is bright. It really is. It, the idea of where they're going with this. You look at the offense. They have so many young guys who could really be contributors on offense. You have Fant, Lindsey, Sutton. Um, geez, who's the other running back? Freeman, jeez, brain fart. Um, Freeman, you have, I mean, maybe even Locke. And you start to see that team in two or three years. And if they keep the schemes, they could be really, really good. Again, look at the Denver Nuggets. Unbelievably young players, young team. You got it brought in a coach who had, he had a plan. He had a vision. He knew what he wanted from a team. And you know what? The first three years, they didn't make the playoffs. The fourth year, they're the second seed and they're into the second round of the playoffs with the second youngest team in the NBA. The Broncos can do that too. Build around youth. Build around character guys. Build around guys who buy in, who want to be here, who want to get their heart and soul on that field. And then you build around a scheme that lasts. You trust Fangio. You stick with Scangarello. You stick with the Shanahan scheme, even if 2019 sucks. Even if it's a terrible year. I don't care if they go 4-12. and 12. You stick with it. This could be another bad year. It could. It's a tough schedule. New scheme, new coaches, new players, new quarterback, for goodness sake. It could be a rough year. We should be ready for that. It may not be a Super Bowl team, but that's okay because the window is opening. The next contention window is opening. I see it. I can see the light. The window is cracked open, and it's a window if Drew Locke was a hit. If Drew Locke finds his ceiling in the ceiling of, I don't even know, what is Drew Locke's ceiling? That's a, it's a tough thing to judge quarterbacks against each other. Let's say he's better than, than Dalton. Maybe he's a lot better than Dalton. I don't know. You could have a franchise quarterback. And if that's the case, your window is technically open for the next 15 years. That's the key, as we all know. You know what, John Elway, when he was a franchise quarterback, you had bad years and you had good years. That's that's the NFL. That's how it works. But the contention window is always open when you have a franchise quarterback. The same with Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees. They have bad seasons. They have years where they don't have enough talent around them. Some things go wrong. The ball bounces the wrong way. Quarterback gets injured. But you always have that hope. You always have that chance when you have a quarterback. Always. And if Drew Locke can be the guy, say starting in 2020, you can build around that youthful, cheap contract. That's the way to win in the NFL right now. And then if you get really lucky, he turns out to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. And then you can win for years and years and years. I'm not going that step yet. I don't know. I have no idea. Drew Locke could be the next Paxton Lynch. Maybe he'll be a Hall of Famer. We'll have to see. But I like what they did. Love the draft. And I can't wait to talk with you guys for the next few months in detail about what went on, what happened, who this team is now. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a ride. And until then, I'm going to keep getting up at 4 a.m. to watch the Denver Nuggets. 
and hope that they make it to at least the Western Conference Finals and hope that they help inspire this Broncos team for what the Broncos also can be and should be in the future years in this NFL. Okay, I'm out. I'm hoping again that Skipper Dude will be on next. Um, Again, he's got to give me the audio before I publish this, obviously, and um, he's going to wrap show up and he's going to kind of send it back to me, but I'm not going to be there. So Skipper Dude, hopefully to end. If not, then we'll have him on next week to give us his draft um, wrap-up. That's all for me. I'll see you all next week. Go freaking Broncos! Thanks as always, Kevin, for having me on. I am the Skipper Dude, proud Broncos fan since 1984. Wow, Kevin, a bunch of material for us just to start dissecting in the coming weeks. I think we're going to be busy for quite a number of weeks trying to unravel all of the deeper meanings and implications of the past week. But today, I thought I would give a sort of high-level overview of the draft with some preliminary thoughts and hopefully some observations that you're hopefully not hearing anywhere else. So like most of all Broncos fans, I, I'm particularly pleased with this draft. My, my personal favorite pick of the draft is Noah Fant. I think he's going to give Rich Gangarello a weapon on offense that the Broncos have not had since Julius Thomas. And as opposed to JT, I think Fant is a guy who is at least willing to try to block defenders. And I thought Elway and team pretty well bombed on day three. But so what, really? I mean, big-time big time day three guys like Danny Trevathan and Malik Jackson and Matt Paradis are so rare, and the Broncos only had, what, three picks coming into day three? I think they mostly just slept through it and started looking at undrafted free agents, honestly. And, and uh, talking about day three, I heard a fun conspiracy theory on the absolutely awful trade with the, with the 49ers for Dakota freaking Watson and a sixth rounder for pick number 148. I actually think it makes some sense, and it goes like this. Somewhere along the line, John Lynch played a role in helping John Elway land Rich Gangarello as the Broncos' you know, offensive coordinator. And of course, as we seem to, to see, Elway and Fangio are both enamored with Gangarello and very grateful that he's here. So Lynch comes calling on Saturday and says, John, there's a kid out of Arkansas that's still on the board that we're dying to get. What would it take to get your pick 148? Elway... Oh, then owning or owing Lynch a solid says, listen, John, just give me your sixth and, and any guy I can call depth and we'll call it good. And of course, then the deal was done. What was the, the deal totally and completely legal? Eh, maybe, maybe not. What was the trade that's going to come back to hunt Elway and the Broncos? Probably not, not for a fifth rounder. Was it pretty awesome a little gamesmanship and relationship building if that's the way it actually happened? I really think so. I really do. I, I have no problem with it if this was just Elway returning a favor to John Lynch and the San Francisco 49ers. Okay, so anyways, on to my observations on the weekend. Observation number one. This draft had Vic Fangio's fingerprints all over it, and I love those fingerprints. On Friday, I, I made a comment in one of Scotty Payne's threads that since 2012, Elway's overall second pick has been on the opposite side of the ball from his pick in the first round every year. And that's seven years out of seven. 
Chances of that happen to happen randomly are about 100 to 1. In Elway's very first draft in 2011, he picked Von Miller in the first round and Raheem Moore second, but chose Orlando Franklin on offense just a few picks later. So it was more or less the same trend. In other words, having gone offense in round one on Thursday, look for Elway to draft defense on, in, in the second round. But no, not only did they go offense with the second pick, but then, of course, they went offense again by trading up to get Drew Locke. Now, if you're a frequent listener to Broncos and Bratwurst, you know that I've said a couple of times now that defensive-minded coaches are going to be inclined to spend their premium salary cap and their premium draft capital on the offensive side of the ball. It only makes sense that a man like Vic Fangio, who has the bearing, the presence, the intellect, the coaching talent to lead a locker room full of NFL players into battle, is going to be confident enough in his own coaching abilities to believe that he can make a great defense out of non-premium talent. But I think Fangio really outdid himself with this draft. I kind of get this father-son vibe from it, actually, where where the 70-year-old grizzled veteran coach brought himself to pass on some guys like Devin Bush and and Roshan Gary to to take care of the 47-year-old wunderkind Skangarello. Here you go, Rich. Go make something great. We're going to focus on offense. But, But my goodness, look at the young talent on this offense all of a sudden. Besides Drew Locke, who's going to take a year or two to mature, you now have Lindsey, Freeman, Sutton, Hamilton, Henderson, Fant, Bowles, McGovern, Jawan James, and Dalton Reisner. That is a serious core around which to build an offense. But I'm absolutely loving the fact that Fangio came in here, and in his first year, he had the self-discipline and foresight to load up on offensive talent rather than loading up on a bunch of new toys for himself on defense. That, as much as anything, has me extremely excited for 2019. Okay, so observation number two. I believe this is going to be a very long summer for one Noah Fant. Later this spring, I'm planning a segment on what it's really like to play for a hard-nosed, nose-nonsense, old-school coach like Vic Fangio, because I've been there. But, But what I'll tell you briefly today is that coaches like Fangio have an inclination to throw certain guys into the proverbial doghouse and to impress their values on the rest of the team by treating the doghouse guys with absolute verbal brutality, okay? Now, the the players who find their way into that doghouse tend to be guys who are young, immensely talented with bright futures, but underachieving in a way that is a pet peeve for the coach. That could be falling asleep in meetings, it might be bad body language, laziness, sloppiness, not following the playbook, any number of things. But typically, coaches like Fangio like to call out a guy who's exhibiting that pet peeve and call them out mercilessly as a means of helping that player grow up and the rest of the team to figure out what it takes to please the coach. Now, let's look at Noah Fant. Rookie, obviously. Absolute monster talent. Check. Big guy with measurable skills that were actually better than Cortland Sutton at the Combine. Huge potential future for this guy. There there are some concerns about his blocking, but those, I think, from what I'm hearing, may be overrated. He wasn't a great blocker at Iowa, but he also wasn't asked to block all that much for the Hawkeyes. But he has had problems with dropping passes, and he has a reputation for taking plays off. Basically, he comes off as a kid who's lacking just a bit in his mental stamina 
and his mental maturity. Do you see where I'm going with this? Okay, so if Fant starts to have these same issues during OTAs or early in camp, I'm foreseeing Fangio making his life absolutely miserable. So Noah, if you're out there listening to Broncos podcast and listening to Broncos and Broadwurst, be ready to have your A game on every minute you're on the field with Vic Fangio. Because boy, if you don't, you're going to be in for a long summer. But I should say, one that's going to make you a better NFL tight end in the end, and perhaps even a better person for it. Okay, so on to observation number three. John Elway is giving all appearances that he has figured out drafting. Hallelujah. Here are my thoughts on how he has matured with the draft board over the past couple of years. When he first became GM of the Broncos, he was asked, and I think it was about 2012 or so, what his priorities were for drafting. And I think he gave a good answer. He said moral character and elite potential. Now, if you were a Broncos and Rockies fan back then, you'll probably remember the strange chord that the moral character part struck would have struck with Denver fans because the Rockies had just kind of abandoned ship on a semi-successful, semi-failed project to load up their team with a bunch of nice guys. And yeah, the Rockies achieved the locker room harmony they were looking for back in the late 2000s, but what was what um, happened was that when they went into slumps, the team leaders were all too nice to light a fire under the rest of the team. So short losing streaks became prolonged slumps, and the Gen R concept really didn't work. So now with Elway... I think his original intent when he said that he drafted on moral character meant something more like the guy's motor's always running. I like to believe that Elway's first draft pick in his first full year as GM, which was which was Derek Wolf, kind of epitomized what Elway originally meant by moral character, guy whose motor never stops. And there's definitely some merit in that definition. But as years passed, Elway started to get away from that standard and started playing some money ball, I believe. And he looked for guys with talent who are dropping in the draft for what he regarded as frivolous character concerns. Guys like Shane Ray and Bradley Roby. And finally, of course, Paxton Lynch. And so, with five mostly disastrous drafts behind him and completely stung by the Paxton Lynch debacle, and I think flanked by, depending on who you talk to, either Gary Kubiak or Vance Joseph or some combination of the two, Elway began in 2018 to go after guys with leadership in their background, lots of team captains, guys with stories of valor and integrity and known as great teammates. And so he nailed the 2018 draft with not just stellar players, but also some stellar human beings like Bradley Chubb and Cortland Sutton and Josie Jewell and others. Now, and I think Elway has learned a valuable lesson, that when you're down four in the fourth quarter, and you're third and three from the opponent's 40-yard line with under a minute to play, it's that leadership quality, it's that little something extra, that true moral character that is often going to make the difference between winning and losing. So, where the Broncos headed into 2019 trying to build on some really terrible drafts from 2013 to 2017, but a stellar draft in 2018, we are now about a week later in position to put a team together that appears to have had back-to-back stellar drafts. And I think we can honestly start to talk about the Broncos' next contention window, which probably won't start in 2019, but could very easily open by the 2020 season. So, finally, observation number four is the Chris Harris affair. Now, I have to admit that when I first started seeing the barbs flying last week between Harris and Elway, my knee-jerk reaction was to say, 
Harris is done here. We need to trade him. But as I watched it play out and started thinking it through some more, I came to the exact opposite position with such a passion that I really believe now that John Elway, that how John Elway handles Chris Harris Jr. in the coming days is going to either make or break him as a Denver Broncos general manager. And I should say here, just in case news breaks in the next couple of days, I'm recording this on Sunday evening. So Chris Harris Jr. is one of the most beloved figures in Denver sports history, and not just because of his rags-to-riches story as an undrafted free agent, but because he signed an extremely team-friendly contract that was instrumental in helping the Broncos get to two Super Bowls in three years and, of course, winning one. Chris Harris basically sold himself out money-wise for the good of John Elway's and the Denver Broncos organization. This is well-known throughout the NFL, of course. And we all know that Chris Harris now is 30 years old and entering the back end of the prime of his career. He should have one or two elite seasons left, perhaps a semi-elite third year. But you can expect Father Time, who is undefeated, never been beaten, to catch up with Chris Harris relatively soon. If John Elway chooses to force Chris Harris to honor the rest of what is now a ridiculously undervalued contract, or or worse yet, trades him for cheap, then he'll send a message to the NFL and his own team that if you're a young player like a Justin Simmons or a Connor McGovern, and you're getting close to the end of your rookie contract, if you sign a team-friendly deal, Elway will gladly sign you on, but when it comes time for him to take care of you later in your career, he won't. He'll say thank you and abuse your goodwill and cast you off like yesterday's news. And of course, on the other side, if Elway is able to keep Chris Harris in the fold for life, then he sends the exact opposite message to his own players and the rest of the NFL. The Denver Broncos are a quality organization that takes care of its players and has the honor to do right by those who do right by them. So, John Elway, this is your moment of truth. This is your chance to show not just that you've learned the value of leadership in the draft, but also you've learned the, le- the, the moral leadership it takes to run a quality organization. Chris Harris is making about $8 million this year, and he's asking for 15 All right, 8 plus 15 plus 15 plus 15 is 53 Tear up his contract, give him four years for $53 million, and it puts him about number five or number six among the highest paid NFL cornerbacks, right about where he belongs. A four-year contract puts you right at the end of the Drew Locke rookie contract when all bets are going to be off of the salary cap. Chris Harris has earned it. It means so much more than what he may produce on the field over the next four years, which is probably something less than $53 million worth of value. But it's, it's about doing right by the guy who has helped this make this organization what it is today. It's about being a quality organization. John Elway, pay the guy. Kevin, back to you.